Hey, I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. And this is Forward Farming. Hey guys, welcome back to Forward Farming. You have another solo episode with me today. Um, I, I don't know how long this episode is going to be. I'm kind of on Porter time right now. <laughs> he just went down for a nap. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, that's why I'm in a different location. If I sound funny, I'm in a different spot in the house. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, you're probably going to see Winnie, my cat, here pretty soon. Uh, she loves to walk all over my computer as soon as I turn it on. And you're probably going to hear Bear in the background, and you might hear Porter crying in the background. So if you kind of if I seem a little distracted, it's either A, because I have very high anxiety today, uh, B, because Porter is napping and I'm, I'm just keeping an eye on him, or three, <laughs> I'm uh, home alone. So I, I'm trying to do all this at once. So say a little prayer for me real quick and uh, let's let's see what we can come up with to talk about today. I, I don't have a topic for today. The last couple episodes I've done by myself, I feel like it's been a heavy conversation. So I want to kind of get away from that, um, maybe talk some cranberries a little bit, but just kind of give you guys an update on what's going on in the marsh. I did go back to work today, so that was exciting. I haven't worked, like actually done like cranberry, like like actual field work since harvest. So getting a little anxious, um, but we'll talk about that in a second. So um, let's do some highs and lows real quick. So uh, my high, ooh, I just had one, shoot. Let's do lows. It's been, um, uh, okay, so, oh, okay, I got it, I got it. So my low, uh, last week I went and I got Botox done in my forehead. I kind of talked about this on my page a little bit, but if you didn't see that, last year, actually like a year to the date that I got it uh, last week, I tried Botox for the first time in my forehead. I went to the dermatologist to do a skin and like a skin check. Cause I have a lot of moles and I work outside. I'm very pale. Uh, so I, I should be getting skin checks every year. And if you are a farmer and you're not getting skin checks regularly, you should, um, just be on the safe side. So anyway, I was doing a, uh, just a routine skin exam and I suffered from migraines quite a bit and I get a lot of headaches and I heard that Botox can help with migraines. Um, so just, and I, I wasn't planning on getting it done that day I was there, but I just brought it up to a dermatologist and I said, is there any truth behind um, Botox for migraines? Like, is that something you are able to do? And she was explaining to me that I would have to see um, a neurologist for that. And they would have to do injections like at, in my skull and like down my neck. And like the current wait time to see a neurologist was like six to nine months and it's not guaranteed to be covered under insurance and it's not guaranteed to work. Um, so she said, she asked me what kind of headaches I get. And I said, I get a lot of tension headaches because when I'm outside, I know I squint a lot. Like I just furrow my brows um, pretty much the entire time I'm outside. So she asked me to make all these expressions with my face and she's like, oh, yep, I can definitely tell that you carry a lot of your stress and tension in your forehead. So what I can do is try to help you with your tension headaches if that's how your migraines start. So she um, gave me a couple injections like between my eyebrows and I said, well, since you're doing that, you might as well touch up my forehead too because I have very deep, we call them the Grand Canyon of craters in my forehead. Um, 
they never really bothered me, but I was like, yeah, let's just try it. See, see if I like it or not. Uh, so she did that. And then she also gave me a, a brow lift, I guess is what she called it. So she gave me a couple shots right underneath the tail end of my eyebrow. And I don't know what that does. It's supposed to like lift it up or something. I don't know. Um, so I did that for the first time last year. And you're not supposed to get Botox done while you're pregnant. And at that time, I didn't know I was pregnant. But literally a week after that, um, I took a positive pregnancy test. So right before my dermatology appointment, actually, I was getting an ultrasound done on my ovaries. I was getting checked for PCOS or endometriosis because I was having a lot of troubles. And I wanted to make sure um, that I wasn't having like any fertility problems at that time. So I was already very discouraged. Uh, coming from that appointment, going into dermatology. So after I got done with that, I had like a little mini breakdown. I remember the exact spot I was sitting at the Panera parking lot eating my my salad. Um, I remember just like calling my mom and just being like so upset because like I wasn't getting pregnant. I needed Botox. Like my life is just in shambles. And then literally a week later, I took a pregnancy test and here's Porter. <laughs> um, so I went back because uh, I couldn't, again, I couldn't get that Botox touched up and it only lasts between like three and six months. Um, so I wanted to get that done again. Uh, so I got that done. And while I was in town, I stopped at Sam's Club. And the last time I went to Sam's Club was a whole chicken pot pie incident where I dropped this giant ass pot pie in the back of my car and it exploded everywhere. So I went to Sam's Club again, bound and determined not to make a fool on myself. Everything went great in the store. I got out to my car, put all my groceries away, and I walked my cart back, put it away like a normal citizen, like everyone should be doing. <laughs> if you're not putting your carts away, don't be one of those people. Oh, gosh, that bothers me. Anyway, so I was walking back to my car. I'm always like head on a swivel when I'm walking in a parking lot. I've listened to too many true crime podcasts to not. And I'm walking back to my car and I open the driver's door and I like put my whole body in and I just freeze. And I look at the seats and there's like brown leather in the middle of the seats. And I'm like, God, our car doesn't have that, does it? Because my previous car before this one had those type of seats where it's like black leather. And then in the middle, like of the seat and up the back, it's brown. I'm like, God, is that our car that has that? Or was it my last car? And I'm literally just in there for like, five seconds. And I look on the floor. I'm like, this car is awfully clean. And then the thing that like triggers it for me is like, this car is too clean. This isn't my car. I got in the wrong car. <laughs> it, hear me out. It's, it wasn't totally my fault. This car is parked right next to me. Same size, shape, color as my car, just not my car. And the driver's door was unlocked and it was it's either a Mercedes or a Volkswagen. Like it was a pretty nice car for it just to be unlocked. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like looking in the back seat quick just to make sure there wasn't a kid that I just traumatized. And oh, oh my God, I was so mortified. So I ran over to my car quick <laughs> and I got in. And I'm like, yep, nope, we don't have those brown seats. We don't have a perfectly clean car. Oh my God, I got in someone's wrong car. So I just sped off. I called Dan and I'm like, oh my God, you're never going to believe what I just did. And um, He's like, are the groceries in the back seat? I was like, oh my God, I don't know. So then I was second guessing myself. I'm like, shit, I don't know if I put the groceries in our car or their car. Uh, but thankfully my doctor's appointment uh, was pretty close by. So as soon as I got into their parking lot, I got out and I checked while he was still on the phone. Thankfully I wasn't that dumb. They were in, they were in the correct car then, but 
you guys, I would have died if someone was in that car. Like someone would have kidnapped me. I just walked into my own death at that point. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Um, so that was a low. That wasn't that wasn't my finer moment in life. But you know what? It's okay. I don't think anybody saw me other than me. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of embarrassing. But you know, it's life. <laughs> uh, so my high. Um, getting the Botox. I'm very excited to have that back. Um, not only does it look better, um, but it also helps my headaches a lot too. The entire time I was pregnant with Porter, I didn't have a headache. And up until that point, I had been dealing with headaches like every single day. And someone said it might be because my estrogen levels are off, which you're probably right. Uh, that day, sorry, if you can hear bear chewing on his bone. Um, I think that day when I got the ultrasound a year ago, I think they were able to do a blood test on me. And they said that I very have high testosterone. <laughs> uh, so yeah, probably I was getting headaches from that. Um, but I don't know, I, I get them for a lot from the weather changing too. So like this time of year, uh, when it's going from fall, like really warm weather to really cold weather. And then in the springtime too, when it just fluctuates back and forth like this, it, it wreaks havoc on my sinuses. Um, so yeah, the, the Botox really helps me. Um, but if you have any questions about it, or if you or if you're curious or have more questions about it, uh, feel free to reach out. I'm an open book per usual. Um, my other high, we finally got Porter out of the house and we took him to church with us on Sunday. And because Porter, he's been, he's definitely a COVID baby. He hasn't been outside really other than going to like uh, my mom's house or to just family members um, or doctor's appointments. That's really it. Like he hasn't gone grocery shopping. He hasn't run errands with me. So I wasn't really sure how he would handle church um, sitting for an hour. He did really great. I wasn't um, too surprised there. He ate a bottle in the middle of, in the, of the service and he just kind of chilled and was just happy and everyone loved him. Um, we go to a very small church. So there was literally like 20 people maybe in there. So it was good. So even if he would have started crying, I wouldn't have felt bad. Like these people, I, it's the same people that were going to church when I was a baby too. So they, they were just excited to see a baby in church, honestly. So it was, it was good. I'm glad we were finally able to kind of feel like what the real world with a baby is like. Um, and we were able to get a baptism date set up for him. So uh, that's coming uh, in about a month. So that'll be good. I'm excited for that. Um, okay. So now for a goal. Um, so next week for next week's episode, Becca and I are going to do, um, kind of like a year in review. I think we did this last year. So next week is going to be our final episode of the year. Um, and then Becca and I are going to take off, uh, for the holidays. Um, kind of like what we did last year, if you were with us back then, so we'll be back um, probably the second week in January with a new season. So uh, my goal for this week is to kind of get all of my thoughts together for that. So I'm not going in on the fly like I usually do. I should probably actually prepare for that episode. <laughs> um, but we'll see. You know, I, I know you guys know that it's not going to happen, but I can try. I'm, I'm going to try this time, actually. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, oh, also if you guys missed the news, 
Um, I do have a few koozies left from last year. I have hot pink, um, teal, and a like Wisconsin red. I have our forward farming logo on them and underneath it says hashtag bless this mess. If you are interested in a koozie for if you're interested in purchasing purchasing a koozie, let me know. Reach out to me either on the Forward Farming page or on my personal Instagram, uh, either Forward Farming Podcast or at Cranberry Chats. Let me know, and I'll give you all the details for those. Um, one for what was I doing? One for two or three for five, and then like two dollars for shipping. So reach out to me. Let me know if you want one. I can get those to you pretty quick. So uh, that's just my little PSA. So uh, let's, let's talk cranberries. So I was kind of talking to Dan today and I was like, I don't know what to talk about. Um, I'm kind of running out of things to talk about. And he's like, well, I don't think you've talked about what you do over the winter, like in detail on the marsh. I was like, I think I have, but just in case if I haven't, uh, I'll kind of give you guys a quick overview of what's going on. Um, Because a lot of time, um, people will be like, oh, you don't have anything to do after harvest. Like winter must be your slow season. Uh, it's not really. We're busy a lot in the winter. Like it's, it's either we're, we're jam packed busy or there's just nothing going on. There's really no like happy medium <laughs> as there's no like routine day really. Um, so right now we are working on our renovations for next spring. So, uh, I think I've talked about this before on a podcast where, um, so cranberries are a perennial plant. They, they produce year after year, but there comes a point where they just don't produce as well as they used to, or a certain variety we don't like anymore. It's just not giving us the right, um, texture, size, uh, whatever the, the fruits just isn't what we're looking for. Um, so it's time to renovate that bed. So after its final harvest, we usually have this planned out like one or two years in advance. So after the final harvest for that bed um, we'll actually go out and just burn all the vines we just torch them right down to the ground so it's all just scalpings and then we go out with an excavator and we dig up all this old dirt and all this old vines so that way when we plant in the spring we know for sure that there's no remaining um, uh, vines out there from the last variety so we don't want to cross those varieties like that um, that would just be bad news. So we have to dig up all the old vines and dig up all this old dirt. So a lot of times in our older beds, um, they were planted in a, in like a dark peat soil. So it's like that really dark, stinky dirt. <laughs> Cranberries love growing in it, um, but it just doesn't, it traps a lot of water. So uh, a lot of times on these older beds, it's harder. Um, it just holds a lot more moisture and it causes a lot more issues like with, um, like fungus and moss growing out there. So obviously we don't want that. So the the sand that we're using now, that really white beachy sand, that really just, um, it doesn't hold water as much and it's easier for our, the drain tile to keep up with um, the water flow and, and moving that water through. So we dig up all that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's fair. I'm just gonna, holy shit, guys. I'm sorry. That was aggressive. I don't know if someone's here. Mm. I hope no one's here. I'm by myself. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, so we dig, (laughs) gosh. So we dig up all this old dirt and soil, and then we come in with dump trucks and we haul it all out and we dump it in, uh, in pretty much 
empty spots. So anywhere we have on the property, um, we have just random dirt piles uh, that we, we just use for like road repairs or if we have an empty field um, that has low spots, we haul it in there and just kind of dump it. And then we flatten it out and just build up dams or use it later, like I said, for road repairs and stuff. So it's getting, it has another purpose other than just sitting there. Um, so once we have all that old uh, scalpings and, and dirt out of the way, we'll come back in, um, we'll fill dump trucks up with that fresh clean sand and we will drive into the beds, dump it, and then Dan uh, is on the bulldozer and we have it all to grade. Uh, so we know how high we want the sand um, to be to grade. So we dump the sand, Dan gets it all level. Um, and, and that usually takes us quite a while. We have two pretty big beds that we're working on this year. And we just started hauling uh, the dirt out last week, I think. Um, so that'll probably take us like a month or so into the new year, I would, I would guess at least. Yeah, it's the 13th. So yeah, it'll probably take us till like the end of the month or so um, to get all that stuff hauled out. And then another two, three weeks um, of hauling sand back in. And those are very long days. So it's just all in the truck driving. And um, my dump truck that I have I love, I have a very strong love hate relationship with this truck. It's an automatic, so I'm not the best at driving stick. So this truck, all I have to do is just hit a button to go into drive, hit a button to go into reverse. Like it's pretty simple. Um, it takes really sharp corners, but it handles ice like trash. Like it is terrifying to drive this truck in the winter time. Like if it even hears the words ice or snow in the forecast, like it just loses its mind and it is just terrifying. It's like, nope, I'm done. I don't want to do this. Uh, so if, if I even like think about touching my brakes anywhere near ice, I fishtail, I lose all control of my truck. It's scary. It's, <laughs> um, I've said this before, I think, uh, two years ago now, two winters ago, we had a ice storm. So it was like freezing rain for like three days in a row. And I was, we were, I think we were hauling sand that day. It was in January, first part of January. And as soon as it started to kind of freeze, I was driving down. So there's like two halves of our property. One side of our property, like the older side of the property is on one side of the highway, the county highway. And then just like right across the highway, there's a second half of the marsh where like all of our sand and, and more beds are. So um, we were driving across the highway to get to the sand and then back to dump the sand in the new renovations, whatever. So I, I have to drive down the highway and at this point in our road, I'm not going very far. I'm going like maybe a mile down the road before I turn off. Um, and they, in the part that we're driving across on the highway, there's water on both sides of the road. So there's just a, like a little bridge that goes through the ponds. Um, and then it's wide enough. Like in the summer, I've met semis on this bridge, like no problem. It's fine. Like I can handle that. But this day I'm being very cautious because it just started to rain and it was freezing. Um, so I'm driving, made it across the bridge fine. And I just barely tapped my brake to get my blinker on so I could make a right hand turn. Oh, bear. And as I tapped the brake, I fishtailed and it was just hands off wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Lord, help me. I did a donut, like a full 360 on the highway. And I let... <laughs> I think I did two full donuts before I came and like halted 
on the opposite side of the road, like in somebody's yard. And I just sat there and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I, I thank God every day that there wasn't somebody coming at me on the road that day, because that would have been terrifying. That would have been so bad. Um, so I just like picked up the phone and I called the guy that was digging. And I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going back. I'm parking this in the shed. I just said, donut, like, see you later. <laughs> and I did. I just went back and I parked it. I'm like, I'm not driving on this. <laughs> There's no way. Uh, so I did that. And then that weekend, we were so, we just started renovating our house that we're in now um, that Thanksgiving. So like two months prior. So I was, I was home alone. Dan was off hunting or something. Um, and I was home. And I, I was working, I was just like painting or something that I, I didn't need to be doing. I was just bored. And I didn't want to be in our other house by myself. So I was in here working and it got to be lunchtime. And I was like, God, I really want a crispy chicken sandwich from <laughs> spicy, crispy chicken sandwich from Culver's. So I was, it was still very icy out. And I got in my pickup truck, my work truck, and I headed into town and I took the back road like a dumbass because it was faster. Um, but being a back road, it wasn't, it wasn't a great road to be on with ice. I, I'm very well aware of that now. Like you idiot, why did you do this? Anyway, driving, I meet a car coming at me. Um, I tap my brakes to kind of slow down, kind of pull over a little bit for them. And as soon as I tap the brakes, as soon as they drove by, I fishtailed, I did like, I could feel my back end just letting go. And I fun sideways and I like hit the very edge of a ditch um I went down and up and I like I don't know how I didn't roll this truck I don't I don't know what happened um drive by a cemetery too so that was fun uh airbags went off uh side side my uh left side went and my forward bag went oh god that hurt so (laughs) that hurt so bad. I'm being so dramatic. It smashed my head to the side. I couldn't hear out of it. Like it was just that white noise kind of thing. Um, I was not goofy. Uh, I get out and I instantly start sobbing like, Oh my God, I don't like, I don't know how I didn't die. Like it was scary. Um, so anyway, ever since then, I have just been petrified of driving in the winter, no matter if it's in my dump truck, my car, my truck, whatever, terrified. I hate it. I get such bad anxiety. I, 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 I I walked away unharmed from this accident other than just like a massive rope burn on my neck from my seatbelt that still shows up when I get very anxious. Like it's just, I'm sure you'll probably see it in this episode. Like it just beat red on my neck. Um, otherwise I was fine, a little sore, but that's fine. So yeah, I hate, hate, hate driving in the snow, which Wisconsin, what are you going to do? So I'm very scared for the first time I could drive with Porter in the snow. Not looking forward to that. We have a doctor's appointment next week. So we'll see. We'll see if Dan can come with and drive us. <laughs> um, no, that was a, that was a roundabout way of talking about renovation. So Anyway, that's what we're doing right now. Uh, So I was able to drive today for the first time in a long time. And we got a lot of snow over the weekend. I don't know, probably like five, six inches maybe. Um, So today it was kind of warming up a little bit. So right away this morning, it was slick. 
And then kind of like by 10 o'clock, it started to melt. It got to be like 40 degrees maybe. Uh, so it's getting, so like the, the snow is getting packed down. And then when it gets, like when the sun beats on it, it gets icy on top of it before it like melts. That's when it's the scariest. Um, so I was driving in that and I was going very slow, <laughs> like 15 miles an hour. But, you know, I didn't go in a ditch. So that that's a win in my book. So, um, yeah, so we do like this renovation project for a good chunk of the winter. Um, and in the meantime, when it got really cold last week, it was right after we got done recording. So it must have been like Saturday. I think on Sunday, the guy started flooding um, to protect from that really cold snap that we had. So uh, I think I've talked about this before, how we use water to protect the, the vines and the buds from very cold elements or very windy elements during the winter months. So in this case, what we did is we flooded um, everything up enough so like our ditches were full. We didn't do like a full harvest flood that we typically do um, when it gets really cold. So we just filled the ditches high enough with water so that way like they're still, the vines are still protected but they're not completely submerged. We don't have to worry about like oxygen depleting in there or anything. So. Uh, the the water that's standing in there it was enough for it to like to freeze completely solid but just kind of like keep the vines a little bit warmer um, but now there's new research being done that the, the 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 vines are much more hardy than we think they are so I think the the new studies that I saw they can go um, sub zero temp temperatures. Uh, before they start to freeze and, and show damage in the spring when they come out of dormancy. So that's good for us. Um, I mean, cranberries are native, one of the few native fruits in North America and very um, and found out in the wild a lot here in Wisconsin. So they should be a pretty hardy plant. So I would assume that they could withstand cold temperatures. I think we, we just like to baby them because I mean, it's our livelihood. If we screw this up, then we're out of luck for the next couple of years. So we don't want to uh, damage those plants. So we always take extra precaution. Um, even if the scientists say that they can withstand that temperature, the farmers aren't gonna let them go that cold. So um, we, we put water on and by we, I mean, not me. I, I wasn't a part of this this time. <laughs> uh, so they put water on uh, and just kind of held it there. But when it gets colder, like when it, it, it we get like the true Wisconsin cold, um, that's when we do like a full flood. So when I mean like a full flood is, or like the harvest flood, we flood everything up. So the water's completely submerging the vines. There's no tip showing or anything. So that's about, um, I would say probably like eight inches of water at least. Um, and then we wait for that to freeze into um, a couple inches of ice. And we wanna make sure that that's a good solid ice. So that it's very hard to get good ice. The weather conditions just have to be perfect. Um, so like if it's, if it's really windy or if it's like really cold and the weather just fluctuates when we have the water on, sometimes it doesn't make the best ice. Um, but once that water has been sitting, we let, we typically like to let it sit anywhere between seven to 10 days, 10 days is kind of like the max that we let it sit um, completely submerged. Anything longer than that, the plants start to lose oxygen and then they kind of die and we don't want that obviously. So once all that water freezes into ice, 
when we pull any extra water off that didn't freeze, that ice will just settle right on top of the vines and it'll protect um, the buds and the plants through any more extreme weather that comes our way. So we do this process a couple more times throughout the winter whenever we have like these cold snaps to build up that, that ice thickness. So hopefully by like the end of February, early March, we have um, typically we're looking for like 14 to 16 inches of ice before we can fill our trucks up with sand and go out there um, with a loaded dump truck and, and do our sanding. So, um, but sometimes, you know, when it gets too cold, if there are, if there's a lot of snow out on the vines, like for this, for this instance, like, so we got dumped with snow, when was it, Friday night into Saturday? If it would have gotten cold, like Sunday night into Monday, um, we probably went to flooded just because the vines were covered with snow and that snow would act as a protector or a barrier um, from that cold weather too. So it kind of depends on the elements. If the vines are just completely bare and there's no snow out there, then yes, we do need to flood um, to protect those vines. Otherwise, if there's snow out there um, and it gets really cold, sometimes we might just say, you know what, the snow is good enough. So we just let it say, yeah, good luck. <laughs> um, so that's, uh, that's kind of the... So like with flooding, um, the way that it works, so we have these ponds and or reservoirs, whatever you wanna call them all throughout our property. And uh, we use those ponds for these flooding instances. So um, kind of on like our older marsh, ooh, Porter's waking up, I should probably wrap this up pretty soon. Uh, so like on our, our lower marsh, everything is gravity fed. So there's bulkheads that are connected from the ponds to flood ditches and the flood ditches are all connected to the beds. So that's just a series of tubes that connects everything together. So on the gravity fed areas, we can just open up boards and the water just flows downward and goes where it, it needs to go. So we control everything um, by removing boards from the tubes or the bulkheads. And that's how we control the water flow. So when we have enough water, we just put boards in to stop the water flow. And then um, when we're done, we need to pull the water off. We go to the opposite end that the water came in, pull boards to let it flow out into another ditch that goes back into the pond where it came from. So everything is just constantly, constantly recycled and reused in that way. Um, so other than uh, renovations and flooding, um, it's like when it, so after we have like a thick layer of ice made, the, the scariest part of our job is taking the water off. So that requires a lot of uh, breaking of ice with axes, standing on top of slippery bulkheads, metal bulkheads, uh, swinging an ax between your legs to break the boards so you can pull them and get that water off. That's very scary. Um, uh, that's something I'm not typically allowed to do just because I'm so clumsy. A couple of years ago, I was doing that with my dad. And um, he had an axe that was handed down to him from my mom's grandpa. So it was a very old axe. And my dad got that when he first started working out on the marsh. And I was working with my dad and he gave me this axe to go break some boards while he was on the phone. And I'm standing in the, like one of our bigger bulkheads and I'm hammering away, uh, trying to break the ice to get these boards out. And I was wearing gloves that didn't have really good grips. And I went to go swing down between my legs and I threw it straight out of my hands and it hit the back of the bulkhead and went down in the water. He came out and he's like, where the fuck is my, oops, sorry. He's like, where's my axe? 
And I was like, um, dropped it. And I swear he almost started crying. Like that ax had so much sentimental value to him. And we have been out there every summer with a magnet on a string trying to find that ax. And I can't find it. I feel so bad. We don't like to bring that up. So we're not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, once we get that done, once we have the ice built up, we will sand. So I think I've talked about this before. We load dump trucks up with uh, the sand that the cranberries grow in, that really white sand. We fill our dump trucks up with that. We drive out into the cranberry bed. And then um, we have this trough kind of thing with like an auger that we hook up to the back of our dump trucks. We just tilt our box up um, and that sand just gets spread evenly uh, about like a quarter inch deep across the entire ice covered bed. So that way in the springtime when that ice melts, that sand will push down on the vines um, and kind of bury them and cause new growth in the vines. And it also helps insect control too. So any eggs that might've been buried um, from, or any eggs that might've been laid throughout like the summer and fall, hopefully that sand kind of suffocates those eggs and we, we get that insect control um, taken care of just by sanding too. So that's, that's always a plus. So other than that, it's a lot of maintenance. Everything gets serviced. So all the trucks, all the equipment gets serviced in the winter time too. So shop is always busy. I don't, I don't, I'm not very mechanically inclined, not very, I don't know anything about mechanics. So that is not my forte. So this is kind of when I do a lot of my book work, um, a lot of, a lot of paperwork. Um, I have to do like water reports for the DNR, pesticide reports, um, like all this other stuff that needs to be done. So that's kind of my thing. I let the guys out in the shop and then I stay in the office and kind of hibernate. Um, so that's kind of like a quick uh, recap of our winter. Um, from end of harvest until uh, like March usually. And then once March hits, then it's full bore spring work, getting irrigation set up. Um, but we'll talk about that a different day. So um, Lil Porter is waking up. I think he's almost ready for dinner. Uh, this might be a quick episode. I don't know what time I started. Again, I'm sorry for bear birch. <laughs> if, if I leave that, I'm gonna leave that in. This is a nice little surprise. <laughs> Um, see if you guys are paying attention. So uh, that is going to be it for me tonight. Just a quick little episode, a little quick check-in to say hi. Next week, Becca is going to be back with me. We're going to be doing, uh, like I said, we're going to be doing kind of like our highs, lows, goals of the year. Um, lots of fun things to talk about. I'm excited for that. Again, if you aren't following us on YouTube already, check us out there. If you want like the unedited version of the podcast, um, search forward farming podcast. You'll see us there. Also, if you are into YouTube, I just made a YouTube channel that I would love you guys to subscribe to see kind of more behind the scenes, um, more in depth of my life. Check that out over at Cranberry Chats. I just posted a video um, about harvest this week. So check that out. If, if you're interested, come over and say hi. Otherwise, you can find us on social media, uh, forward farming podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me over Cranberry Chats on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, whatever. Come search for me and find me. Say hi. Um, Becca is over at Farming with the Hilbies on Instagram and Hilby Family Farm on Facebook. And that's all I've got for you guys. Again, if you would like some forward farming koozies, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you know, if you made it this far in the episode, uh, send me a message. 
if you're if if you message me about a koozie i, I might just send you one for the heck of it merry christmas <laughs> uh so that is it for me today guys thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week bye